Welcome back to the Law Unscripted, where we talk about the law and the legal system and everything you never knew, never understood, and no one ever told you. I'm Virginia Tarani. And I'm Chelsea Rogers. And we are here as part of Tarani Law LLC, because you never need a lawyer till you do. All right. This week, we are talking about defenses to lawsuits, Mm -hmm. um, basically defenses of negligence actions. Right. Which we covered about a week ago. We covered sort of what you need to do and prove to bring a negligence suit. And now is sort of the opposite, right? Right. So what we have is for a lawsuit, you have to bring a lawsuit to show that someone else is negligent, that they did something wrong. And if you've been following the series, we started out with what is what is a tort, right? Uh, which is a civil action against somebody else to find them liable, right? Where they're not guilty, but they're liable. And so we've, we've kind of progressed through the basics yeah. of the law of what is a tort? What is a lawsuit? What is civil versus criminal law? Mm-hmm. Then last week we hit what is negligence, right? When you file a lawsuit, what does it mean that you're proving that someone is negligent, that someone did you Mm -hmm. wrong? And then this week we're going to pick up with the basics of, okay, someone sued me. Someone has said that I did them wrong. So what do I do? Yeah. And how do you argue against it? Yeah. Cause you have, you have to put on some kind of defense, right? You yeah. don't want to just say, Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I did it. What Whoopsies. do I owe you? <laughs> I mean, at least most people don't every once in a while you do, but for the most part, if you have an insurance claim filed against you or a lawsuit filed against you, the idea of the legal system is that hi baby girl is that you actually defend yes. in the lawsuit. And as per usual, we have um, our dog family hanging out. Charlie, the golden cocker spaniel, he just topped off and went away. But I've got my merle colored cocker spaniel, Willow. She's wandering back and forth on the couch with me. So, sweet girl. Yeah, we'll see who else joins us. But um, yeah, you can't see them as much. We're working on our camera views, but that's who's in the background. yeah, so let's it. break it down as to truly, I mean, law students hear this stuff a lot of, yes. oh my gosh, and here's a tort, here's negligence, here's the elements of negligence, here's the defense, but right. do you really know? Really, I mean, really? You know, I think it's one of those things that to me, negligence makes so much more sense in the practical sense, like reading a complaint that's about negligence makes so much more sense than anything I did in torts. I mean, to be fair, I had a great torts professor. His teaching style was great, but it's just the nature of how law school is taught, right? It's not a focus on practical. They, they teach you. And and it's the same with me. Um, it's the way that nature, the, the nature of law school is they teach you the theory. They Mm -hmm. teach you, what's supposed to happen, what it means, how to interpret the law, how to analyze the law. But in the end, how do you practice? Right. Which I think has been my big thing, right? What I remember about sort of, because when you take torts in law school, you have fact spotting or issue spotting tests and you have to do arguments on both sides. So what I remember Mm -hmm. thinking about sort of defending against negligence on the exam, because it's just exam, it's not real life, is like, well, did this person fall into a special category to have a duty to this other person? Oh, they were at the home, but was it a business visit or a social visit? Like ridiculous kind of things. Yeah, and some of it isn't ridiculous because there are actually cases. I mean, there are crazy cases out there. But for the majority of people filing a lawsuit, defending a Mm -hmm. lawsuit, what you're finding is, okay, they they fit into standard categories. For for us, um, for Tarani Law, we handle mostly traffic accidents. Uh, we, we file lawsuits on behalf of victims of traffic accidents, and we sue them, which creates a tort, mm-hmm. and we say they are negligent. Mm-hmm. You know, this other driver is negligent because they hit my client, my victim. But in the end, law school doesn't really teach you, well, what do you write to file a lawsuit It teaches you that you can file a lawsuit, that you have to prove certain things to prove a lawsuit. But in the end, it doesn't say, well, what are the words that you need to put on a paper? 
what's the heading for the paper? (laughs) Do I sign? Do I send it to somebody? Where does it go? That's what law school doesn't teach you. And it's no offense to law school, but the actual practice of law is very different. Yes. I say this, um, all the time. Every paralegal I've ever met is way more qualified to practice the law than I am. And I'm supposed to be taking the bar in what, like six months. Right. I would trust a paralegal more than I would just, (laughs) it's sort of the practical advice because that's, that's what they do. But sort of this. So when we're talking about defenses to negligence, what are we looking at? Like, what does that, if your client is being sued for negligence and we can talk about some of the fun examples, maybe we use last week or sort of the simple ones. How do you defend that? Like, what is the response, the answer? And and the response has to go based on what the suit is to begin okay. with. So we're going to hit the, the four elements that we talked about last week. Right. So if you missed last week, we hit the topic of what are the four things, mm-hmm. the elements that you have to prove in order to show somebody was at fault. And those were? Duty, breach, causation and damages. Exactly. Very good. Yay. (laughs) So you have to prove those four things and we're going to go through them, (laughs) but the defense to a lawsuit for negligence saying I did something wrong. Um, and I owe somebody money is okay. Well, one of those four things or several of those four factors, those elements, they don't work here. Okay. So you start with I didn't have a duty of care to you. Um, If I did have a duty of care to you, I didn't breach it. Then in any case, I didn't cause those specific injuries Mm -hmm. or eh, you weren't injured. So those are the four basic defenses and they track the elements, the first four, the four reasons and ways you prove a negligence suit, the defenses track those four elements where you basically say, uh, no. Right. You're right. I I didn't do those. Um, Excuse me. I was not negligent, your honor. (laughs) Exactly. That's, that's the basics. Don't try that at home. (laughs) That was not a recommendation. Um, (laughs) When all else fails, just say, I didn't. It's cap, your honor. <laughs> Get an attorney. That's that's Truly. the best advice. We are not providing you legal advice. That's not what this show does. No. This is informational only, but the best information I can give you is to please say or to say, please get your own attorney. If mm-hmm. you need to sue somebody or considering suing someone or being sued, the best advice I can give you is to get an attorney. Absolutely. We're not your yeah. attorneys unless you actually hire us, but that's a whole nother matter. I'm nobody's attorney. <laughs> this is not the unauthorized practice of law, to be clear. Chelsea is the uh, legal intern who's a law student right yes. now. I just like to talk about the law a lot. I have a lot of opinions, but I'm not licensed. So, so yeah, those are our caveats, our disclaimers, but, yes. but truly for defenses when we're not helping you, yeah. you need to, I think it's interesting to understand what what do you do okay. if you're sued? So start us off. Yes. Yeah, so this is my thing. Okay. So obviously I don't know. So I'm just going to throw my ideas out there and you can tell me how close I am. Go for so it. I think the first one is hard to me, at least from what we talked about last week was that strangers on the road have a duty to each other, right? Yeah. If you're driving, yes. if you're driving on the road, you have a duty of care to the other people on the road. You have a duty to drive safely. Right. So if we're talking about sort of disputing a negligence claim, that seems like from the jump, maybe the more difficult element to dispute. If you're talking about pure strangers have some duty to each other, but I do know it is different if you take the vehicle out of it. If it's just a stranger on the street, you might not have a duty to them, right? That's true. So, I mean, for humankind, you're supposed to don't harm each other, right? There are specific laws. Don't murder, don't yes. steal, don't, I mean, basics of don't do these things. And as long right. as you don't do these things, if you don't break the law, then those are the duties. Those mm-hmm. are the ones that our law says you cannot do this to somebody else. Right. That's the duties. If you do that do no to harm. someone like, else, then you breach a duty. Okay. But if you're not walking around committing crimes, mm-hmm. you're not in a vehicle you know, having a duty to other people on the road. You're not a doctor having a duty to a patient. Mm -hmm. You're not a lawyer with a duty to a client. If you're not one of these things, 
You're just a random person on the street or out in the world. Yeah. Do you really have a duty to somebody else? I mean, the law doesn't, the law says no. So even if you see someone sort of in distress or in need of aid, you don't have a legal duty to help them, right? For the most part. Unless you're like a a medical professional or something, but just your general person. Yeah, this is where we get into what's called the Good Samaritan laws. Um, it's It varies state by state, mm-hmm. but for the majority of states, the Good Samaritan rules say almost exactly what, what you've described right. is if you see somebody else in distress, you don't have to help them. There is no legal obligation to go help them. You don't have to go provide CPR. You don't have to save them from drowning. Um, You don't have to provide medical assistance. I mean, look how many people, let's put this in perspective, how many people are videoing things happening, police brutality, people stealing a fight, riots, they're videotaping these things and they're just hit and record. Right, right. I think there is no, they have no duty to step in to stop or to help in any of those situations i think that was kind of shocking to me at least Mm -hmm. a little bit because i think there's i mean i'm sure you studied it too the case in california that was like the big case um summarized quickly there are two men who are like in their 20s one of them commits an assault against a child like an eight-year-old little girl the other one is there and does absolutely nothing and the law said Technically, he didn't have to, which is not like a very satisfying decision. But I do Mm -hmm. understand it when you talk about other situations, creating that it's there's a double edged sword with the law always. Yes. In that situation, it it really led to an unfair outcome. It's upsetting that he was allowed to just stand there and be like shrug his shoulders. However, knowing what I know from law school, I wouldn't want a duty imposed mandatorily. You know, if you see something happening, maybe you're not qualified to help Absolutely. Them. What what are you supposed to do? Right. Step in? Right. And the the moral part mm-hmm. of people wants to. And they want right. to judge and say, "Well, why didn't you stop it?" Right. "Why didn't you step in?" "Well, what what could I have done? Would I really have helped? Would I have just created another victim? Would I have right. made it worse?" There are people who witness abductions. Mm-hmm. They're not held liable. Right. How do you prevent it? But the moral outrage for some of these things of, well, didn't you call 911? Why didn't you seek help? Why didn't you ask for help? Why didn't you give help Mm -hmm. of just the average citizen standing on the side of the road or in their home? It is absolutely shocking when these videos come out of, oh, it's just hanging there videotaping. Right. But then you see the other ones. And again, to me, this is maybe one of the more interesting things in the Mm -hmm. law. Because the other side of it is the plenty of lawsuits that have happened when someone attempted to render aid um, in various scenarios. It's just a bystander on the street who attempted to render aid and did more harm than good because they really weren't qualified to do what they were trying to do, right? Yeah. And then they get sued and are held liable because the choice to then take the action sort of Like once you take the action, I don't know how it's phrased, but like, then you Mm -hmm. have a duty. Once you initiate trying to help, you have taken on a duty that you didn't have before. Absolutely. You assumed a duty of care. Well, that word assumed. That was what I was looking for. (laughs) That was was what it was. I was like, it's the word, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. You took it on. Yeah. Is if you're standing there hanging out, doing nothing, then you have no duty. Mm Um, people may look poorly on you, which they might, might need to, I don't know, but legally you don't have to, but. As soon as you take an affirmative action, Mm -hmm. you have assumed and taken on a duty of care where, like you're saying, if you decide to render aid, there's someone suffering, there's someone choking, you decide you want to try the Heimlich maneuver. Well, Mm -hmm. you may not know the Heimlich maneuver. And if you attempt the Heimlich maneuver and you fail at it miserably, and that actually causes or partially causes somebody's death then you are also at least partially liable liable for for that death because the actions that you did but for causation. you stepping right here's the causation part of it yeah. but for you stepping in and rendering improper aid right this person may not have died 
Right. And so I know some states have now kind of recently-ish, I say like maybe in the past 10 years or so, have tried to write laws in a way that allows that if you try to be a good Samaritan and help, that we're going to remove civil liability. But it's not every state. And it's just very, it's hard. Like, I think this area is hard because you're like, we want people to help, but we don't want them to be like held liable if something goes wrong. Right. It's very tricky. It is. And I think the other thing is it also depends on the type of citizen that you are. Yeah. Where I'm no medical professional, you don't no. want me stepping in. I would hope I would call 911 or do something right. else. But I don't know the Heimlich. I don't know CPR. But a medical professional, if they're standing by, they maybe to. they should have to render aid. Yeah. And I think that's where states are trying to decide do we have those particular types of people right. step in if they're on the sidelines, if they right. see something? Should they be required to step in? Do they actually have a duty of care right. to people who are suffering because they have a different expertise yes. than most people? Almost like a mandated reporter. You know, that yes. if people have the, if you are in any of your states a mandated reporter, you have yeah. the duty to report child abuse. And if you don't, you can be held civilly liable in all states, but criminally liable yes. also in some of them. And I think that kind of makes sense. These people are usually specially trained. They have an expertise, just like you would have like with a medical professional. Exactly. So duty is interesting, but yeah, from your experience, it's not usually where the argument comes in most of the time. It, it's not. It's not usually a big question, yeah. either for the, the plaintiff side, the mm -hmm. one bringing the lawsuit or the one defending. It's not generally a question of, right. did I have a duty to you? It, it's usually pretty obvious. Yes. But I want to go back to your mandatory reporter oh, yes. issue <laughs> is no, don't be sorry, because I think you bring up an amazing point mm -hmm. of in most states, there are mandatory reporting yes. laws for what school professionals, um, medical, medical professionals, some like sort of not just teachers, but like school um, counselors. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, anybody who works with children, some states have even extended it to like daycare facility providers. Right. Um, which I think is, I mean, that's an expansion because that's not yeah. somebody who's sort of employed as a teacher or even as a medical professional. There's no specialized training generally to work right. in a daycare facility, but a lot of them have expanded it to that point in an effort to, I mean, stop child abuse. Like there is more exactly. like no more noble sort of pursuit. Right. Um, but I think it can be difficult to legislate in a way that effectively produces the, re the results you want. Right. Right. But do check your laws, yeah. um, especially if you're some kind of child provider. If you work with children in mm -hmm. any capacity, it's really important to check your laws because you may have an imposed statutory legal duty to report certain crimes, certain allegations mm -hmm. of child abuse, sexual abuse. Even suspicion, really. If you... Mm -hmm. And I've seen this in a couple of the statutes. And I know yeah. for Georgia, I was a mandatory reporter for Georgia when I lived there. And it was like, if you have a suspicion, you need to make a report. Like it was very, it was not like, if you know, it was not a knowledge thing. It, it was like in your expertise, um, you had to, it was like, and essentially when I went to like the, the training, it was air on the side of caution always. Yeah. Um, which I mean, to me made a lot of sense. Right. Um, I, I mean, I don't want people making false reports, but I'd much rather false reports get investigated than, than children who are abused not get reported. You know, it's a hard, yeah, it's a hard balance. It is. But that's where when you have that duty, mm -hmm. let's say, let's go to the second step is mm -hmm. there's the allegation of you breached that duty right? as a mandatory reporter in Georgia. You found out there may be sexual abuse going on. Mm -hmm you decided not to report it for right. whatever reason. If she has a mandatory mm -hmm. duty and you didn't report it, then that's a breach yes. of the imposed duty of mm -hmm. care that you have. Right. And if that causes some sort of, because you think in like, in that scenario, I think it's a good one. If the position I was in required the mandatory reporting because if it's reported, the child is removed from the situation, theoretically, right? Yes. So then if I didn't do it, then they were not removed. I don't think anybody would dispute there'd be damages from that. You know, how do you monetize that or look right. at that? Well, but what is, is the percentage cause that you have right. by not reporting is, are you considered part of the child abuse? 
that right. your actions continued child abuse or caused right. additional child abuse or caused child abuse at all, mm-hmm. that these are the factors that we now have to look at is yes. because you were a mandatory reporter, mm-hmm. you decided not to report, so you right. breached that duty. Are you now the cause right. of child abuse that occurs because you didn't report? Right. And then that isn't that where you get into sort of the but for it's like, oh, no, there'd still be abuse if I right. That's where that sort of causation argument comes in. Right. That's the defense. There we go. <laughs> Very good. Yes. That's exactly the defense. Yes, I do. Rep- I did report child abuse. This is just hypothetical. <laughs> this is hypothetical. Chelsea did yes. not breach her duty of care. She did report. Yes. <laughs> so yes, but we are in a, a good example. But no, I think that's a good example. And it's like easy to understand in that way. But so for maybe a more, like a, a standard like traffic accident, we talked about it last time that you have a duty to operate your vehicle safely. Very generally, I'm sure there's more specific wording. Like, but that's the basis. You have a duty right. of care. You have a duty to be safe when you're driving. If you get in a car, you need to follow the rules of the road and not hit me. That's your duty. Right. And so if there's an accident, it seems pretty clear there was a breach of the duty. But then the defense <laughs> is that, well, you breached, if you hit me, or there's an accident between the two of us. Yep. You file suit as a plaintiff and say, you breached your duty. And I say, um, there was a breach of a duty, but it was not mine. It was yours, right? Yes. And then that's where you get into that sort of whose credibility, are there sort of video pictures, but not likely in a lot of the just sort of um, traffic accidents, right? Right. That's that's your defense is, well, there was an accident. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have, I have a duty. I'm a driver. Right. I have a duty to keep you safe, me safe, everybody else yes. safe. There was some kind of breach of somebody's mm-hmm. duty because there was an accident. Right. But who really caused this accident? Right. I don't think it was me. I think it was you. That's my defense. So I yes. am going to present a case to the judge that I was driving just fine. Mm-hmm. You decided to merge out of nowhere and hit me. You breached your duty. You caused the accident and your own damages. So okay, I'm not at fault. I'm not liable. Not liable, not at fault. Okay. So this is the one where I think it gets slightly more fun um, because we're going down the elements. Now we're going to get to causation, right? Oh, yeah. So this is the one if you say, I did have a duty. Mm -hmm. I did breach my duty. Yep. But me breaching my duty did not cause these damages, right? And I think the like law school case they say is like okay you get an offender bender person has whiplash they have a concussion whatever mm-hmm. that is so the host they're in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and a semi hits the ambulance are you then responsible for those injuries which i would assume would be more than whiplash right and, like, let's assume they are let's, let's assume, assume the secondary accident right caused broken bones right did that disrupt the the chain of causation right and the intervening event. There we go. That's the word. I have no, I cannot remember any words. Today. You're closer to law school than me. <laughs> I know, but like I. Sw- <laughs> it's good. That, you you have I, the okay. concept. I went to Zoom school of law too. So I'm kind of like that has to count for something. It is hard. You know, you have been in such an interesting time of law school as, as an aside for everybody. Yeah. You went to law school in 2020. Yes. What a time to start. When COVID happened and you had literally your entire first year by Zoom, right? Yes. Um, the first year was by Zoom. Then my 2L fall, we came to campus, but it was really locked down. They were asking to do events if possible, still by Zoom. So it was like not officially hybrid, but it was kind of. Um, super masked up, social distancing. Yeah. Then that spring, we went back online for a month and a half or I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and then, so I haven't had a really a normal semester until I guess last semester was the closest. Yeah. So just imagining that your third year of law school is the first time that you're really on campus having what I would consider a normal law school. I know, but then I, but then I registered for classes where I don't have to be on campus this (laughs) semester. (laughs) That was at least a purposeful decision. This was purposeful. But it is still different. Yes. I mean, I went to, to law school, I mean, a long time ago, but not that long ago. Now it's it's truly twenty years ago that I went to law is that school. Math, math thing? 
Yeah, it's it's truly 20 years ago that I went to law school. I feel like in my head, you're five years older than me. So I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, I look five years older than you or five years younger than say, you. I was five years younger than me. <laughs> but, but I'm not. I went to law school 20 years ago and I cannot imagine doing law school by Zoom. It, it was hard enough when I was in person, mm-hmm. in class, trying to learn these concepts yes. of how in the world do I defend against a tort what is a tort? What is negligence? All of these terms. And, you know, even as a normal person, like, yeah. what is this stuff? And you can't go to someone. You can't reach out in a more personable way. The, yes. This this is a reality. You know, one of the reasons we're doing the podcast, mm-hmm. I think, is for people like you and yeah. others who they haven't had the opportunity or even the reason to know some of this stuff. That's what I think about a lot. Um, my first year and law school is notorious for being yeah. it being a no feedback environment. Yeah. Um, which I had prepared for. I, I expect that coming in, but I think you still expect to have that social feedback. And you know, if you're in person, you meet people in your classes, you kind of talk to them, get get the vibes for what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, with Zoom, obviously that wasn't happening. And in yeah. my section, 75% of us were not even in the DC area. We stayed wherever wow. we were. Um, I do have to shout out my study group because they, we somehow found each other and have been really good friends ever since. But I good. quite literally would not have passed Civ Pro if they had not taught me because for the life of me, could not get it to make sense. Yeah. And it was like two weeks before our final. And I went to my mom, my poor mom, and I was like, mom, I'm not like being humble, but I actually might fail out of law school this semester. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, because I don't know how to teach myself this. Yeah. And we're at a point. Luckily, my group found me. They pulled me through. <laughs> I would not have passed <laughs> without them. Um, but yeah, I think that that's one of the things is I did try to listen to podcasts. There just weren't a lot of resources. Um, Sit pro. We're having a rematch this next semester. I enrolled You're going to do great. <laughs> you are going to be really good. You're doing what? Virginia civil procedure? Virginia civil procedure. Good. So I feel like it's my redemption round because I truly, I would have failed out of law school um, my first semester, but things are better now. Yes. And you've also had in-person experience. You've had internships that have actually given you the, here's the paperwork. Here's what it looks like. Here's how it actually works instead of something theoretical by Zoom. I mean, yeah, our whole our whole dynamic. I would come in every Friday to the office and say, hey, Virginia, um, I have a dumb question. And she would say, Chelsea, I bet it's not a dumb question. And I'd be like, <laughs> I swear, I swear it's dumb. <laughs> Can you but tell me the not. difference between district and circuit court? She's like, aren't you in law school? I said, yeah, I know. I know I'm a two out. Like, let's not talk about it. <laughs> but it's, oh, hi, honey. <laughs> Charlie, our golden um cocker spaniel is joining us again the camera angles are a little bit different so i don't know if you can see him but he is joining charlie he charlie is joining chelsea he absolutely adores chelsea hi honey so okay hey charlie we went off of the tangent we did but i think it was an interesting tangent and it yes totally summarizes intervening causation intervening intervening acts right so you have one event that you're alleging causes damage right but then in the meantime, in the interim, boom, there's another. Right. Um, this semi-truck trailer coming <laughs> in an accident right. for your ambulance. So in that question, the defense is, sure, I had a duty. I breached it, but I did not cause all of these injuries. Yes, that, that significant injury, that was like another Maybe 5%, truck. but not the whole thing. Yeah, it's a decrease, a reduction of damages, so to speak. So right. you're arguing two things. Mm-hmm. You're arguing first that you are not the full or sole cause okay. of the accident and the injuries. Mm-hmm. So that's, you're hitting the third element, you're challenging, mm-hmm. and then you're challenging damages. So right. first, I wasn't the sole or full or partial or yeah. even large part of the cause of your accident right. um, and injuries. But even if I were, the damages that I caused were 5% while the damages the semi-truck caused, that was 95%. So okay. I should only pay for 5%. Which sounds fair. Sounds kind of fair to me. It is. The, the one time that 
the law actually no seems to, to work itself out with fairness. Right. And this whole justice thing we talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's a good attempt. I think it can be hard, you know, when something yeah. is not as dramatic as this, where it's like clearly a concussion versus, you know, broken bones. Like that right. is a very clear difference in damages. I think when you get more to gray area, but what if, what if there wasn't an intervening act? What if mm. you were a little negligent and I was a little negligent? Is it just a wash? Is that what happens? Oh, you're getting into my favorite yes. topic. And I think you know it too. Yes. Okay. So everybody, one of my favorite topics is contributory negligence and comparative negligence. Um, I'm going to try to break it down for you, but yeah, Chelsea set, set me up, set, set you up. But um, it's because DC, Maryland, Virginia, this area is weird in a lot of ways when it comes to the law, which what, what a choice on my part. I could have gone somewhere simple where right? there was no jurisdictional. There was nothing. Stayed in Georgia. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Like, D.C.? Why? You know, I'm just going to live on the edge. But so you have all of these different states which have their mm-hmm. own. I mean, I'm going to say D.C. is a state for the purposes of this conversation. Jurisdiction, yeah. And they all have their own rules. Yes. Just like you do everywhere else. But you can drive down the same street and hit Virginia, D.C. and Maryland. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, in one trip, you can yes. hit all three. Absolutely. And there are three whole different sets of laws that you're going to pass through. And so for the rest of the United States, what is the majority? Okay. The majority for a defense, you can say it's, it's called comparative negligence Mm -hmm. where the defendant says, all right, okay, I have some fault, yeah, but let's compare it with the negligence that somebody else had. So Chelsea brings a lawsuit against me. Chelsea mm-hmm. says, I hit her. I caused a car accident. Let's just yeah. do a basic. Um, I say, okay, you know what? I was partially to blame. Mm-hmm. It's a rear-end accident. Yes, I rear-ended you. But it's because you pulled up short and shouldn't have stopped when you did. So I tried to avoid the accident. I did everything right. that I could. Yes, I rear-ended you. But... You were also to blame. So you victim, you plaintiff, you were also at fault. So we're asking the judge then to compare our negligence. Okay. And the judge is going to look at us and say, okay, and hearing your (laughs) testimony, Chelsea's testimony and hearing Virginia's testimony, I decide that Chelsea was probably 10% at fault Mm -hmm. in her own accident and Virginia was 90% at fault in the accident. So whatever damages Chelsea had, Virginia should pay 90%. Instead of all of them. You know, if I'm Correct. suing you for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you're only going to have to pay $90,000, right? Yes. Okay. Basic math. Exactly. And that's, that's a pure comparative negligence. Yes. So that's, that's basic comparative negligence where one defense is a whole defense of, I didn't do it. I right. didn't cause it. I'm not liable for damages. I didn't have a duty. I didn't breach the duty. I didn't cause it. But another form of damage is, or defense is, okay, I did it, but I wasn't the sole person responsible. Right. Like I was following too too close, but you came to a complete stop on the highway. Right. Right. For no reason. For no reason. There's no car in front of you. Emergency braked it. Right. Like, sure. I was following too close to your car, but come on, man. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so that's, that's a solid defense is let's divvy this up. Let's diminish and decrease my negligence and my liability and the amount that I have to pay. And overall, that concept is called comparative negligence, where you're asking the judge truly to compare everybody's actions in the wreck Mm -hmm. in this event and decide what percentage of negligence that they have. And then that goes directly to damages. This is a logical system. It seems very logical. Yes. But of course, in this area, is that what we're doing? No. No, of course not. There's <laughs> we, what, what, how uh, many states? Five? Okay, there are five jurisdictions. Five, I'm telling you. In the entire U.S., okay, we've got all 50 states and Puerto Rico and D.C., okay? So 52 jurisdictions. Five, five of them in the whole place have what's called contributory negligence rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- three of them. Okay. You can... <laughs> three... Out of those five, mm-hmm. out of 52, five, and now we're going to take three of those five, are Maryland, 
Virginia and DC where, where we live and we practice all of which I'm barred in. And those three out of five jurisdictions have this crazy asinine rule called contributory negligence. Because comparative seemed to make sense. You know, you did this much, you're this percentage at fault, you pay that percentage of the damages. Very logical. Yes. Very logical. And among defendants it is. Yeah. So let's say you are in a wreck. Mm-hmm. You're completely innocent of it. I'm a passenger okay. in the car. You're a passenger in the car. You have no fault at all. You sue three people. Yes. Okay. You sue the driver of your car and then you sue the two other drivers who rear end. Yeah. So you have one rear end causes a, an impact with another causes then, you. Yeah. You sue three people. It's still a division among those other three people, right? Yes. So there's still a comparative negligence where defendant says, okay, I have, Charlie, Charlie, stop. Don't. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Charlie. Um, Just just sit and be nice. He's just a happy boy. Um, In more than one sense (laughs) of the word. Um, (laughs) I don't know if we can edit that out. Maybe we don't don't want to. I don't know if you can even see it because it was just like his face. Like, I don't know if his body was in his. Yeah. It's okay. Um, In any, any case. (laughs) So. There's the comparative among the defendants where the defendants say there are three defendants and they say, okay, same kind of defense is I had some responsibility, but not all the responsibility. So now I'm asking the judge, I can't say that you're liable. You're the victim. You're a pure victim. You had, you were not even driving. Okay. But now I have all these injuries. So somebody's Somebody's going to pay. pay. The question is who and Mm -hmm. how much. So we go back to the comparative negligence Mm -hmm. in a strict comparative negligence where the defendants are then divvied up. The judge has or jury has to decide of these three defendants, did only one of them cause it? Right. And if not, how many and who caused the damages and what are their percentages of fault? Is the first person 50% at fault and the other two have, you know, 10% and 40%. Right. What's the division? And it's kind of a, a crapshoot with your numbers is you have to make up a number, right? Yeah. The judge, the jury, they, they're not given a chart. There's yeah, no there's spreadsheet. No, science. <laughs> no, there's no science. It's like, well, I think based on what she said, she was maybe 30% at fault. Right. It's, I mean, it's a guess, but that's how ultimately comparative negligence works. Yes. And then there's what we were talking about where the defendant goes, I'm negligent, but so are you. And that's where we get into this really crummy law called contributory negligence. Which essentially, and you can, I'll explain it the way. Yes. This is how I would explain it to clients. I'm going to hope it's right because if not, I've been confusing them. So I think I'm right. (laughs) It's that if you as a plaintiff are even 1% liable you cannot bring a suit or your suit would be fruitless they're gonna get rid of it right yeah essentially that's absolutely right come here baby come on charlie he's absolutely beclimped he doesn't know what to do when we're in these sessions um we want him to be cute and friendly but he doesn't he doesn't understand this but okay he's back with back with chelsea but yes that's exactly right this crazy rule says if you the victim Mm -hmm alleged victim, right, are 1% at fault for your own accident, you get nothing. So. Nothing. Not even like a portion, mm-hmm. not even a percentage, nothing. Absolutely zero. So I have a question for you, mm-hmm. hypothetically. So we were talking about passengers before. Say in this scenario, now we're going to be in these jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Dumb rule. Okay, you're back in Maryland. Here we are yes, in Maryland. we're in Maryland. I'm mm-hmm. a passenger in a car. Get into an accident. But maybe I didn't have my seatbelt on that increased the damages. Like maybe if I had my seatbelt okay. on and it's a lot in Maryland, you have to wear your seatbelt. I think it's a lot everywhere. Maybe. I, th- maybe I would hope a- so at this point that it's all of the so. jurisdictions, yeah. but I honestly don't know. I- I'm going to assume. If I'm wrong, let me know. But... I just say things, honestly. Um, okay, so I'm a passenger. We get into a car accident. Um, I have significant injuries. They, you know, an expert determines I would have basically no injuries if I had had my seatbelt on. With how would that work out? 
It depends on the state. So of yeah, these in Maryland, five yeah, stupid jurisdictions. We're in Maryland. Um, sorry, no offense to any of the <laughs> jurisdictions I just just discussed. Um, so it's these three: it's mm-hmm. Maryland, DC, and Virginia, and then two southern states. I think it's Alabama and North Carolina. Really? Um, yeah, I didn't know that. So it depends. Is okay. always the great legal answer. Just, yeah. <laughs> I believe that in at least Maryland and Virginia, mm-hmm. not wearing your seatbelt is not actually applicable in one of these cases. Okay. So it cannot be used against you as a form of contributory negligence because it didn't cause your wreck. So okay. it's not a defense of causation. Could it be a defense in damages though? Yes. Okay. You could actually say, so as the defendant, I can't say you, the plaintiff, are at fault for your accident. So you can still bring the suit, essentially. Whereas yes. if you were a driver and they're like, well, you were 50% at fault, it's done. There is no lawsuit. There is no sort of personal injury claim. But if you're the passenger, it's not about the causation. Now, right. that's when you have, and we've talked about this, I think, before briefly on the podcast, maybe a couple weeks ago, that in a personal injury case, you usually have either one trial in two parts or you can like sever them and you have a liability decision and then you have a damages. And sometimes people will just stipulate to liability. And so you're only worried about damages. Correct. Right. So in this, if you're a passenger, you probably just won't even, you're not even having uh, a trial over liability. Right. Sh- well, it depends. So, assuming again, one plaintiff, to- one defendant. Right? Yes, like you're not. Assuming one plaintiff, one defendant, usually the defense will say, okay, we admit liability. We're only going to have a trial on damages. Is how gotcha. much do we owe you? How badly were you injured? And mm-hmm. how much money did you pay for your injuries? And how much do we owe you for medical expenses, lost wages, pain right. and suffering? Okay. That is generally the way that it goes. In a contributory negligence case, though, you're saying you can you can't bring a suit. Well, you're not supposed to. Right. And attorneys um, have a duty of good faith. Yes. That they have to bring a lawsuit in good faith if they it's believe. Not frivolous, or right? It can't be frivolous. They can't know that it can't be brought. So, right. in good faith, if I believe my client did not cause the accident, Right, I can bring a lawsuit. I can assert a lawsuit on their behalf and we would go to trial. Mm -hmm. But there would be a trial on liability. Right. Where I would have to have my my client testify that they are not at fault. Yes. They didn't do anything. This happened to them. But the defense would be, "Mm, plaintiff had even 1% fault. And if the defense proves that against me, against my client, then the case is gone. It is done. Right. If it's 1% liability on behalf of my own client in Maryland, D.C. and Virginia, where I practice, Mm -hmm. we're we're toast. It's done. There is nothing else. There are no damages that can be recovered, even if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. If there is any liability by the victim if we take it to to court and it's proved that my victim, who mm-hmm. in every sense of the word is, is, a, is a victim, victim, if they did something that contributed to their own accident. The causation. Not necessarily their injuries, but their accident. Right. They get nothing. Wow. But if they had just gotten, this is such a terrible, if they had just, you know, been in their car and gotten hit in a different state, they would be able, right? It's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. If they were in their car, they got hit in a different state. They, you know, merged just a little too closely mm-hmm. in Maryland, D.C. and Virginia. If you merged just a little too closely, even if it was only 1% the mm-hmm. cause or 5%, you get nothing. In right. another state, if you have the comparative negligence, then the judge could say, well, okay, you were 5% negligent, so I'll just shave off 5% of the right. damages. But 95% was caused by this defendant, so you still yeah. recover 95% of your damages. Right. So that's the huge difference. I feel like this is such a tangent, but I feel like being a judge in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia for these type of cases would be so much more boring. You know, because you're just like, I truly mean it because in the other one, you're like, hmm, do I think this was like a a 5% at fall, you know, 10, there's like more to think about this one. You're like, um, yeah, they probably both did something dumb. Like it's done. Like if the decision is 
maybe that's oversimplifying how judges think, but I think, right? Well, it is, you know, a lot of the cases that I've had, and that is the crux of the argument. That is the defense is if it's a, he said, she said, um, and I'm using the pronouns just in general form, because that's the, that's the type of way that it's usually said. And in speaking of these things, if it's a, he said, she said, he said, he said, whatever, if I can't prove if the judge can't decide right, that it's more likely than not that my client is telling the truth and it is not their fault. They say, you know what? I can't, I can't tell. Right. So that's when you talk about, if you sort of have two, you have a plaintiff and defendant Mm -hmm. equal credibility. Yeah. Um, and there are no pictures or videos, right? You just sort of have testimonies, your real evidence Mm -hmm. here, which is most of my cases. Right. I think that, that would be the most common. You're like, and if you, I like to pretend, put myself in the judge's position. I don't know how you decide that. If you're saying, I think it's probably equally likely that both of these people are telling the truth, right? Like I'm not convinced mm-hmm. one way or another, then you have to say, sorry, like there is, yeah. um, there's nothing you can recover, right? That's absolutely right. And do you walk away with nothing? That's tough. It is. It really is. So the contributory negligence, the biggest way um, that I have seen this in my own practice is absolutely devastating is pedestrian accidents. Right. You talk about this all the time. Whenever yeah. we walk anywhere, we have to be in the crosswalks. <laughs> you, you have to please she, DC, Virginia, and Maryland. It is no joke. You need to use the crosswalks. Do not jaywalk. If you have to walk out of your way, you walk out of your way to use a freaking crosswalk. And once you get there, mm-hmm. if there's the little flashy people, follow the directions. Because even if you're in a crosswalk, but you don't follow yeah. the directions, it's still a problem. Yeah. And so that, and talk me through it again, you can tell me what I'm right or wrong, right? Like if you're a pedestrian and you get hit by a car, I'm not a science person or a medical person, but <laughs> your injuries are going to be significant generally. Usually they are much more significant. This is where we're going to see the broken bones, the head the injuries. injuries, a lot of deaths. I mean, you're being, you have no protection and you're being hit by a vehicle. Right. So I mean, it's usually significant. So something like that. But if it turns out that you were not in a crosswalk or you were walking when the walk signal was not on, you're just sort of out of luck at recovering yes. any of those damages. You are completely out of luck. Which you can have lost a limb. You can have significant permanent brain damage. Mm -hmm. But if you were not in a crosswalk in D.C., Virginia, and Maryland, and you were hit, that's 1%. And that's where contributory negligence is is awful. Yeah. I've had at least two cases now that I I can think of of – one was a pedestrian, one was a, a driver of a car. Mm-hmm. And they were even just this one percent at yeah. fault. One not using a you know the crosswalk, the other having their lights off while driving. And that they was were, enough? The yeah. lights off while driving? They that's were, a torts case. Oh, I know that's it torts is, case. It is like a a, in my t- textbook. I, there was a case like that. that and that, it was a real, I mean, I don't know if, I, I can't imagine I it was, was the older case one. that you yeah. used, but it is a, a real case. And I wow. have one of these. Is, these are two real types of cases that I had where these were the victims and there was nothing we could do. Nothing. Right. There, You know, they're deaths. Right. They're actual deaths. And because the one wasn't in the crosswalk and the other was driving without their lights on, there was literally no recovery. Charlie, Charlie, hello. Charlie come here. Sorry, it's dogs. We gotta, it's you just... know, we do what we can. <laughs> okay. One one of these days, I wouldn't, you know, I, my husband keeps saying that we shouldn't have the dogs in the podcast at all, um, but I disagree. I think it makes them even yeah. friendlier, cuter. Look, if more you, exciting. If you vote yes, more dogs, exciting. put it in the comments. We are trying to go. win this conversation. We just need <laughs> there. We just need people to say yes. Keep the dogs. Um, yeah. See, positive. Yes. Clearly, our yes, dogs. Um, Come on, sweetheart. Yes. Yeah. So we're gonna move the microphone. Yes. Let him get adjusted. Okay. Um, yes, mommy's here. So. So then, okay. So yeah. Say and that. So that's upsetting. It's I mean, devastating. For a lack of better, that just seems done to me um you know it's a really harsh rule it's it's very harsh maybe that's the better way to put it so assuming 
now we've gotten past causation. We're on to our last. Well, let's go back okay. real quick for the comparative yes. because I do want to hit that. I know a lot about contributory yes. and we've spoken about comparative, strict but I want to hit, yeah, yeah, we've hit strict comparative. There are states, so there's pure comparative mm-hmm. where it's everyone who has fault, we're going to divvy it up. We're going to find yes. out. And then that's the recovery. Okay. But in modified comparative states, the defense is even stronger where if okay. the plaintiff has either 50 or 51 percent um negligence they they are barred from suit wow so it's not that one percent correct it's not the one percent rule it's not even a five percent rule it's as long as the plaintiff is either only 50 or 49 percent at fault in their own accident they can still bring a lawsuit they can still recover so the idea with that sort of is the even if there is some negligence on both sides, the person who's more responsible. So like you said, in that other case, oh, like not having your lights on isn't really relevant. The person is like speeding and T-boned you, right? Yeah, the the speeding versus the lights off, the drunk driving versus the lights off. Let's really look at this. That that's sort of a way to not have as harsh of a system. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you don't have sort of these cases where it really is a wash. You kind of both did equal damage to each other. equally at fault. So it sort of eliminates the best of both worlds. They are kind of right. So that's what we have. And and I'm going to bring us back real quick to the weekly wine. So we have the legal weekly wine podcast that we do on Fridays. Mm -hmm. And the one we just did was on Gabby Petito. Yes. And I bring this up because Utah is a comparative negligence state. Right. Um, So in looking at that, the defenses that the police department is having to, well, you know, we didn't cause A, they would say we didn't cause this death at all. It had nothing to do sort of the but for causation, all of that is there. And we're assuming we don't, we have not seen their responses. No, of course not. Hypothesizing and what they would say. And it's like, even if they did, um, when you're looking at the difference between Brian Landry or the police, like who, who actually who is it caused here? death right. and the, the defense for the police department most likely would be that Brian Landry caused the death, yes, not yes. us. He's the one who did it. Right. So we shouldn't be found responsible. Yeah. But even in that sense, there's still the comparative negligence yes. where the plaintiffs will say, okay, well maybe he did some, but what right. part do you have and they can divvy it up. So that's right. another real world, world application of these comparative negligence rules that are defenses. Let's be honest. They're absolute and partial defenses. Yes. And I think that I will say, I don't think that will end up going to trial, but if it did, I think yeah. it would be an interesting look at how it would, you know, sort of what the the divvying up at the end would be. I really, yeah. I, I predict they will probably settle and I'm sure you agree. I, um, I agree with putting my legal cap on yeah. and the reality of things versus the ideal, the, the, the ideal and the theoretical, yeah. the reality is it will probably the Gabby Petito lawsuits, mm-hmm. the civil lawsuits that are currently pending yes. will most likely be settled out of court. Yes. See, I'm a little bit more hopeful. You know, maybe it's the, the, you have more experience and I'm just being, you know, (laughs) naive. I definitely think the police department's lawsuit will settle, but I do not think the parents, um, Gabby Petito's parents are suing Brian Landry, 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 what am I saying? Landry's parents. Um, I don't think they're going to settle. And this is just that my is, read on their personalities and yeah. completely hypothetical. We did dive into it last week. So if you want to hear it out, we, yeah, we did. There's three separate suits. There's been an amended complaint mm-hmm. in the most recent one. And we sort of dive into all of that and get my I, <laughs> idealistic sort of hopes and like your sort of more common sense of this is probably how it'll play out. Yeah. So that, that will be episode three of the legal weekly wine also brought to you that as the Law Unscripted mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. Um, but brought to you by Tarani Law. So check us out. It's us. Yeah. Um, just doing a little bit different. Um, yeah. So the Legal Weekly Wine, we focus on the current mm-hmm. U.S. legal hot topics yes. versus here, we're doing a dive into basic law that that people don't know yeah. um, and More don't understand. More topic-based versus case-based, I think exactly. is a better way to explain it. But okay, so yes, the plug for sort of contributive contributory contributory what is happening with my like vocabulary today i don't it's the new 
year. We're still yes. in the whole new year phase of 2023. I just don't know what's <laughs> it's like okay. Anyways, so that's interesting when you talk about sort of this third element, right? And then, like you said, there's sort of the pure, what am I saying? The like pure versus like kind of blended method. Yeah, the right? modified. And there we go. I swear I'm like struggling today. I don't know what's happening. Um, okay. So, but for damages, say we have gotten, yes, there was a duty. Yes, I breached the duty. Yes, it my breach of the it. duty caused this. If we're just sort of arguing about damages, how does that play out? What are like what are the arguments? I guess is the better question. There are two. Um, the the first one, which doesn't apply in most cases, okay. but the first one is okay. I caused a wreck, but you weren't damaged. So oh. that's in a lot of like property damage cases where I'll have some clients who call and they're like, okay, look, I was in a car accident. Um, here's the property damage that they caused. They mm -hmm. can show the receipt for the car damages. Okay. But in the end, I mean, the good news is they weren't actually right. physically injured. And I'm like, oh, thank God you weren't, you weren't injured. But that means legally, if you have no damages, even if there was a duty to you, even if yeah. there was a breach of the duty and you were in an accident, if you weren't physically damaged, you don't have a lawsuit. And that's right. a pure, that's a complete defense of if you don't have damages, I don't owe you anything. Okay. Because no, what is there sense. to pay? What yeah. did you lose? Yeah. And you can't say, oh, just pain and suffering or like emotional distress when there's not really there, evidence of that. <laughs> yeah. There usually, not all the time, okay. but usually has to be at least some physical injury. Okay. If you're going to link the emotional, you can use emotional, but it usually has to be linked in with a physical. Now there's gotcha. differences. We're not going to go into in all of those special today. cases. Yes. Yeah. There is like the intentional infliction of emotional distress, but it's a whole myriad of yes, issues with just, that you know, claim. registering for law school <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just sign up uh, i don't know that i can explain that one very well but usually you have to have a physical injury and then tie yes. a mental mental issue or you know emotional response yeah. to that yeah i mean those are at least from what i remember is that usually those are very very severe sort of yeah. accidents, injuries that cause them, you know, maybe someone was a bus driver and they get into this terrible crash and they can no longer, because they have such severe trauma from it, do their job, right? That's sort of the emotional side of it, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay. As I'm so traumatized, I can't do this anymore. Okay, right. good. Then I can, I can equate that with some kind of money. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the other one is that, okay, okay, okay. You were injured, right? But like not as much as you're saying more. And that's when you talk about sort of the you know, the private investigator for the insurance company mm -hmm. seeing somebody, you know, put on the face, yes. neck brace, right? Yeah. And then they're like, well, you're saying you had all these injuries, but we just saw you, you know, benching 200 pounds at the gym. Come on. Come <laughs> right. On. Here's the picture. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's great because <laughs> it's classic. The defense is, it's called mitigation of damages okay. is they're saying, okay, it's really not as bad as it, it seems. So we're yes. going to, we're going to pay you something. But the question is, how much were yes. you really injured as much as you say? How do we reduce the amount of money that we owe for your damages? Were they really as bad as you say they were? Have they caused as much problems as mm -hmm. as many problems as you're saying they did? Or did you already have some problems and we just added a little bit to it, yeah. but we're not responsible for the whole problem? Let's say you already had a herniated disc mm -hmm. in your back. Okay. We didn't help it. We aggravated we, it. We didn't aggravated cause it, it, right? But we didn't cause the herniated disc. So then we get back to a gen jury, judge and jury trying to say, well, what's the percentage that it was already hurt? Right. But that's the defense. That's the whole part of you have to provide a defense. And where in these four elements can you chip away? What yes. can you chip away and what can you reduce? And going to our, our own in the Law and Scripted yeah. podcast, if you go back to the Rodney King case yeah. where we were doing difference between civil and criminal law. That's we hit did. some of this is mm -hmm. Rodney King, the third episode where he was seeing, I had all of these damages yes. and the defense was yes, but they're not that bad. They put on experts right. to say, we don't think you were brain damaged. 
Right. He says I was brain damaged. He puts on experts who claim he was brain damaged. The defense yes. is, okay, you were injured really badly, but my expert says you weren't brain damaged. So it's this battle of how much can we reduce mm-hmm. the amount that we're paying rather than yeah. we don't pay you anything. How much can we cut it down? And that's kind of the strategy part of it. It's like you, and I'm assuming, you know, as an attorney, you sort of look at your case and with experience, you sort of have the thing you're like, ah, oh goodness. Sorry. No, <laughs> they're just playing. They're, um, they're being a little more feisty than usual. Sorry guys. Again, positive for dogs or negative. Let we can do know. either. <laughs> I we mean, like them even with their antics, but they might be a little distracting. <laughs> Bless you. Um, hi, honey. Uh, so what, okay. So sorry. What I was saying is that the whole idea is that, you know, when you're evaluating your case, you mm-hmm. sort of have to pick your battles, right? Like yeah. if your person clearly T-boned them, they were drunk and speeding. You're not going to waste your time arguing duty, breach and causation, right? Exactly. And that's perfect. A perfect description of it, of what you do as an attorney, what right. is the art of law that you pick your battles? You look at a case and you say, oh, that's not going to work. Right. You're so not going to be credible if you try to see I'm, I'm not responsible. So maybe in, you can tell me if this is slightly off. Cause I think this is comes into a battle of the experts. Like you said, sort of experts battling it out, whether these injuries existed or not, mm-hmm. or the severity of the injuries. But do you ever have this? Cause I'm going to say it and you're going to know what client I'm thinking of. Um, Maybe these medical treatments aren't the type of treatments that are oh, appropriate yeah. or widely respected medical treatments. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, I know which client you're talking about, but we have more than one oh, of we those do. clients. Oh, for sure. But, but, but it's not there's just the one. us. Yeah, there's the one. But So here's the thing with clients, and, and we t- tell all of our clients, and let's start here. Yes. If you need medical help, you need medical help. And if it works for you, it works for you. It works for you. It absolutely does. You need to do the care that is best for you, that your doctors recommend, that you can pay for, that you need to get to take care of yourself and make sure that you are whole and you are better. Yes. But in this industry, there are some medical procedures and practices and practitioners that are much more respected than others. Right. And like if you are yeah. in a fender bender and you go to physical therapy, that's Common. likely not going to be disputed. But if I decide yeah. after being in a fender bender that I need a Swedish massage every right. day for the next 60 days, they are likely not going to pay for that. Correct. And insurance companies will flat out deny certain providers. Right. They will deny the Swedish massage. Right. Um, and it's funny. It, it's funny because... It, it it's, works. I would, I mean, if I had the choice after being in a car accident, I would take a massage every day I over physical therapy. And, and if you need it, you should, but right. don't expect it to be paid for right. by the insurance company because they can say, well, did you really need a Swedish massage? Right. Could you not just do physical therapy? But in the industry, some, some insurance companies and some states mm-hmm. look very poorly on chiropractors. Oh yeah. And I think that's, that's a, a huge thing. Um, chiropractors... I think they're extremely useful. I think they help tremendous amounts of my clients, but not every insurance company and not every judge or jury thinks that they're credible, um, that they're the right providers. Aqua therapy is another one where some of my clients, especially older clients, find that to be really useful and helpful. If you can cover it, if you can get your insurance to cover Mm -hmm. it, fabulous. But it's probably not going to be paid back. The defense yeah. is going to be, did you, you know, this therapy isn't really widely accepted. Right. You didn't need this particular therapy to take care of yourself. Yes. Acupuncture is another. Yeah. And um, I think a lot home of home and herbal remedies. Like you're saying, I believe in a lot of these. Been to a chiropractor. Absolutely. Helped me. And it was actually after I should have filed a suit on that. I will never stop thinking about that. Yeah. I was in a bad car accident um, and just was like, well, guess that happened. It like moved along. But I, so I paid out of pocket. I went to a chiropractor, helped me a ton, Mm -hmm. but it was something that I don't even think my, I had really good health insurance. I don't even think the health insurance covered, we paid out of pocket for, because it's just one of those things that unfortunately the systems that we sort of are operating in are good, but not perfect. Right. Exactly. And some are considered more valuable than others. So one of the defenses to damages is, did you go to the right doctor that we approve of? Right. And if a judge, a jury, or an insurance company doesn't approve of that particular type of doctor, that Mm -hmm. doctor, that type of care, then they're reduced. They're doing a great defense of 
reducing the damages of, okay, well, we'll pay for your time at the general practitioner. We'll pay for your time at the orthopedist. But once you went to aqua therapy, we're not paying for that. And it's, it is a good, solid, I don't like it, but it's a good and solid defense that as an attorney and as a defense attorney, if you're looking at ways to chip away, because that's what you do. You said, let let me poke holes where I can. And if Mm -hmm. you have some of these where it's like, no, everything up to causation is like super clear, but it's your job. You know, you work for all state and you have to defend the cases. You don't really pick your cases. You just have the cases that that you have. You have to do something. You can't just not defend the claim. Exactly. So with the four elements, like last week of the four elements to prove a negligence case of duty of care, Mm -hmm. you breached a duty of care, you caused Mm -hmm. my injuries, and these are my damages. For defenses that we're talking about today, you have so many variety of defenses, including it was not my fault. I didn't owe you a duty. I didn't breach any duty. If I had one, Mm -hmm. it's your fault. Yes. I (laughs) breached a duty, but it's not my fault. fault. Um, Or there were no damages, or let's at least decrease my damages. Right. There are so many more. Maybe we'll pick up another on another yeah. on another podcast. But I think those are the those are the main defenses to in trying sort of to claims. understand um, in a negligence claim. See, and I feel like I learned a lot. I know this is such a basic thing, but like talking through sort of you do really well the hypotheticals that I throw. I love hypotheticals. I, I feel like fun. I see your fear though. I'm like, hey, I have a question, and you never know what's coming for me. <laughs> it's, I don't know whether to hyperventilate or laugh because I have no idea what's coming. But you do such a good job at answering them sort of on the fly. Hello, sweet girl. Oh, thank you. Uh, you do such a good job at answering them on the fly. And so it helps me think through things. Guys, I'm learning so much by doing this. <laughs> Truly, yeah. This is my bar prep. Bar prep. One. This is my advice. <laughs> if you are in college or you are in law school and you take an internship, ask the dumb questions because there's no point in doing the internship if you're just going to sit there and not understand what's happening. So. If you don't know, what's the point? And truly, I hope there are non-attorneys and non-law students listening. Yes, because I do think I. I hope that there are people who just want to know. Yes. how this actually works and maybe we'll find this entertaining, useful, yeah. informative mean, or interesting. I like to think so. I mean, obviously I'm entertained by us. <laughs> we crack ourselves up. Oh, for sure. But thank you guys for being here yes, with us. Thank you. Um, again, let us know, vote yes or no for the dogs. Um, she might pay attention, but the thing is I'm only looking at the yes votes, but <laughs> <laughs> outside of that, she's the judge. <laughs> <laughs> Please like, comment, subscribe. Let us know if you have questions about sort of anything we talked about. Maybe you have a hypothetical that I didn't think of that Virginia could sort of cast her insight to. But we love that you guys are here with us. Look, we love the hypotheticals. We do. Um, If you have any ideas for sort of topics or, you know, parts of the law Mm -hmm. or legal system you want to know about, let us know. Something you didn't know. Yes. But thank you guys so much for being here today. Yeah. Like, subscribe, comment. Um, We love our listeners. We absolutely love replying. Um, Check us out on our websites. We've Mm -hmm. got the Law Unscripted, which covers all of our podcasts and educational information and materials. And then there's Tarani Law, because you never need a lawyer. Till you do. Thanks, everyone.